<clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for all the riches that we have in Christ, all the blessings, all the goodness, all the opportunity. We thank you, Jesus, for uh, all that you've done through the work of your Son. Um, Father, I pray that you would help us to stir up one another toward love and good deeds. God, help us to live out what it means to be the church. God, help us to give thought and attention and effort to building up the faith of others. Father, we pray this knowing that um, there will be great blessing for obeying, obeying you and following you. And uh, we, look, we look to that in hope. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I get asked all the time uh, why we do things the way we do at Lincoln Avenue in regards to our services. Why do we have four services on Sunday morning? Um, why, do we, uh, why do I preach the same sermon four times? Uh, and I think people are always expecting some kind of intentional answer. Like I think that what they what they want me to say is that you know, 15 years ago, you know, we read the scriptures and 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 had a vision from God that this would be the best way to do things. Okay, that's not true, actually. Um, this is just kind of where we ended up. Uh, we have a passion in Lincoln Avenue to reach people. We have a passion to. Uh, to, to share the gospel, for people to come in and meet with us and gather and hear the word and repent and believe and be saved and baptized and follow Christ and get in Christ in our relationships. And as we did that, God filled up our buildings. And so um, the easiest thing was to multiply services. And uh, one of the great things about this church is I think it really has a whatever it takes mentality. So whatever it takes, whatever we got to do, that's what we want to do. Now, Many of you will be encouraged that there is a limit to that, okay? So when we say whatever it takes, we don't really mean whatever, because there's certain things that we're not going to do, okay? There's certain things as we expand, as we grow, there's, things, there's certain things we're not going to try, and the reason we're not going to try them is because to do that thing would hinder us from being what the Bible says a church is. Let me give you an example of something we're not going to do. This church in Texas, uh, Lucas, Texas, it's called the drive through Church. Uh, it's named the Sanctuary Under the Sky. And uh, here's how it goes. Uh, you drive into a high school parking lot. Everybody picks a spot, cranks up the air conditioner in their car, and tunes in their car radio, and sits back and listens to the service. Okay? Now, why do they do that? Well, here's David Ray, pastor. Here's his reason. He says, I think Jesus would like it because his stuff was outdoors. So that's kind of his reason. <laughs> I guess what I would... What I would I guess pressed back on David is they were actually sitting outdoors, gathered in groups, pressed together, not in their cars with an air conditioner. But anyway, uh, but I wouldn't have a problem with it if it, were, if it weren't for this, okay? Here's a testimony. Jeannie Shule. 
She attends the drive-thru service. And here's why she likes it. She says that she's turned off by other churches. She likes the more intimate setting she has, very key word here, alone in her car. Okay? So why does she like it? She likes it because she can be alone. Now, is that a problem? Well, let's unpack it. Can you, can you listen to a sermon and get a lot out of it uh, in, by being alone in your car? Absolutely. I do that all the time. Sure you can. Uh, can you sing and worship the Lord all by yourself in your car? Actually, for some of us, it's a better deal, really. I mean, <laughs> and it's actually probably a better deal for everybody else even, maybe, you know? I, I mean, so yeah, you bet you can do that. Can you give? Can you give the Lord in your car? You bet. We have online giving now. You can go to our website. See, on your smartphone in your car, you go to our website, you go to online giving, and you can actually give. So, so can, you, can you hear a sermon in your car? You bet. Can you worship in your car? You bet. Can you give in your car? You bet. But here's, here's the reason why we'll never do this, okay? We'll never do this because according to the passage that we just read, what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to be the church, what it means to live out, okay, to live out our faith as the body of Christ, as the church, is a connectedness to one another, okay? Let me read it again. Here we go. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, so here's the picture of the church that we're given in Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, our mission is this. When we come together, okay, we come together. We, we don't neglect the meeting together. So we come together. We come together uh, Sunday morning. We come together in Sunday school. We come together in small groups on, uh, on Sunday night. We come together on Wednesday night for Bible studies and, and service uh, to children in our community and youth in our community. We come together during the week at Mazio's and, and Pizza Hut and, and, uh, and Taco Mayo and restaurants and houses. We come together in, in, in fellowship. So we, we come together. And when we do, here's what should happen. When we come together... The result should be that we love Jesus more and that we live out our faith more in practical deeds of righteousness. That should be the result. Okay? So as the church presses together, as, as our lives touch, as, as, as we meet together, as we converse, as we fellowship, as we serve, as we do that together, okay, what, what, what happens when the church is running rightly is, is that, that, that we want to love Jesus more, our, our, our love increases, our, 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 our living out our faith and righteous deeds increases. And, and, and why does it do that? Well, it does that because we ought to be intentional about that happening. Verse 24, and let us consider how to, keyword, stir up. How to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay. So what's our goal? Our goal when we get together is to stir each other up. Now that word means to rouse to activity, okay? And it's interesting. Everywhere else in the New Testament, it's used in a negative way, okay? This is the only place that I can think of. Actually, 2 Peter. But, but, but usually this word is used in a negative way. In other words, this word is usually used in, in the sense of provoke. In fact, it's translated that way. Some, you, you ever provoke anybody to, to anger? You ever, your kids ever provoke you to anger? Okay? You ever be provoked? On Wednesday, I, uh, I go pick up Brian Billings for lunch. We go to Taco Mile. And, uh, and what I like to do is I come in there and I, and I ask Tressa. She runs the front desk. And I say, Tressa, is anybody with him? She says, no, if she says no. And I say, well, is he on the phone? And if she says no, he's got a little bell there. He's a little, one of those old-time dinger bells. And I start ringing it. Ding, 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 ding. Sometimes I make a little song out of it. Ding, 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 ding. You know? but, I, but I ring it and I ring it incessantly and nonstop until he comes through the door, okay? Now, let me tell you the result of that. 
I stir something up in Brian that I don't usually see. Brian has spoken more harshly. He said more mean things to me when he comes through that door than at any other time in this church life. And I've served on committees with him. I've served, you know, uh, uh, ministry with him, Sunday night with him. But there's something about that relentless ding of that bell that really stirs him up, okay? It really rouses him uh, to act in, in a certain way, okay? That, that's, that's what that word means, okay? It is to act in a way toward other people that you rouse something inside of them that causes them to act, right? That's what it means to provoke. If you were to start flicking the back of the head of the person in front of you, okay, don't do it, but if you were, okay, depending on their patience level, some of you would be one time. That'd be it. It'd be on, you know. Okay? According, according to their patience level, you would, you would at some point provoke them to activity, right? They would either turn around. They would rebuke you. They would say something, say something nice, say something mean. They would get a move. They would flick you back, maybe. Uh, they, they would, you would provoke them to act. Okay, so, so we don't want to do that. that. That would actually be the anti-church, okay? So to provoke people, to stir up in them, Negative things, to stir up sin in people, to stir up despair, to stir up unrighteousness. Okay, that's, that's the anti-church, right? I just want to make that point because I, 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 want to, I want to give you a warning here. I think it's a big deal to come together as God's people and for your words or your actions or your attitude or your demeanor to actually stir people up to love Jesus less, to think less of Jesus to have less good works and good deeds. Man, that's, that's serious. You know, if, if your idea of going to small groups, and I've actually heard people say this, is, you know what, that group, it's pretty, it's pretty boring. I, I'm going to go stir things up a bit, you know? And your idea of that is kind of asking these kind of provoking, edgy questions that irritate and stir people up. Man, be careful. Be careful. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a good discussion, but if, if, if what you do, if the people leave that small group and they love Jesus less and they love other people less and, and, and they're more inclined to sin than they are to good deeds, you just did the anti-church, okay? If that's a word. You, you, you acted more like Satan than you did a believer. You know, there's a couple times in the scripture where this actually happened. Uh, the book of James, I'm thinking of. Remember that chapter on, or that passage on partiality? Remember that, where, where there's a rich guy that comes in, and they, man, they bring that guy to the front. They get him the Lazy Boy recliner and the Dr. Pepper, and they're like, man, we're so glad you're here. Man, front seat, comfortable, nice, you know. The poor guy comes in, remember what they do? Man, sit here at my feet. Sit back here. Man, James says, that's evil. You know why? Because your actions as the church made that guy love Jesus less, not more. 1 Corinthians 11, another instance. Remember that? It's about the Lord's Supper. They have a big meal together, and... Uh, at that time, you kind of brought, it was kind of potluck, okay? And, and so, so here's what you got. You got one family bringing spare ribs and, and you know, baked beans and, uh, you know, potato salad and the fixings and fry, waffle fries and, 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 and soda pop. And then you got another family coming in with five kids, maybe the Dirks. They got a little package of saltines, you know? And so you got this one family and they're handing out the saltines to the kids and the kids are watching, watching everybody else eat spare ribs. And man, Paul says, that's wicked. Why is it wicked? It was their food. Well, because you came together as the church, and the result of you coming together, the result of your actions was that those people loved Jesus less, not more. And you, 
The result of what you did, your demeanor, okay, was that you, you, didn't, you didn't rouse up in them love and good deeds. You roused up in them the opposite. So being the church means to, in all of our actions as we come together, our intention is, I want people to love Jesus more. I want to live, I want to say, I want to speak, I want to act in ways that stir them up to love and good deeds. I think of a campfire. That, that's a good illustration for me. We, we like campfires. We do a lot of camping, and, and it's always somebody's job uh, when, we have a, when we have a fire to keep that thing going, right? Because its tendency, just like your tendency is what? Love to grow cold, right? For it to die down. So you know what you got to do? You got to go in there. You got to watch it. You got to be, you got to be, have your radar on, and you got to stir it up. And sometimes you got to add fuel. And sometimes you got you to get down close to it and you got to do the, we call it the dragon breath. And by the way, Emma is the best at it. She will tell you, you ask her, and we don't know what it's about her, her breath, but there's something about her. You know, I get down there and blow on it, nothing happens. She dances down there and blows on it. You know, so uh, ask her. She'll tell you, it's true. Um, and that's what we want to do for one another. Now, How's that happen? Let me, let's, let's walk through process here, okay? So we're going to spend a little time talking doctrine and process, and then we'll get some practical, okay? So what, what I'm asking is, what needs to happen inside of me as a believer? I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. What needs to happen inside of me that, that stirs me up to want to love Jesus more, to want to love others more, and will live out my faith in practical good deeds? What, what needs to happen in me? Well, I want to answer that question scripturally, okay? I, I want you actually to look at your text because I think we got some great examples right here in the text we just read, okay? So you start out in verse 19 of chapter 10, and he's talking to Christians. Again, this, this is very specifically for Christians. If you're not a believer this morning, if you haven't repented of your sins, put your faith in Christ, we want you to do that. We want that to happen in your life. But until that happens in your life, this is not the case. You're not in the church yet. You may be in the church building, but you're not in the church in the sense that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, okay? But verse 19, he says, therefore, brothers. So he's talking to his brothers. And notice what, notice what he says. Uh, since we have, okay? And we'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 19, since we have. Go look at verse 21. Since we have. Okay, two times, since we have, since we have. What is he saying? What, what, is he, what is he purposing there? He's saying, guys, let me remind you of what we have as Christians, okay? See, that's one, of the reasons, that's one of the ways that we can encourage each other toward love of God and love of others is to remind each other what we have, okay? Now, I want to show you, not only in Hebrews, but I want to show you that other people do that as well. Paul, book of Ephesians, okay? So Paul's writing to a church. He's writing to Christians. And how does he start out his letter? Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Then he spends 10 verses talking about all those blessings. You're chosen, you're adopted, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're filled with the Spirit, okay? What is Paul doing? Paul, Paul is reminding Christians, remember what you have, okay? Then he goes on at the bottom of, uh, of chapter 1. In verse 18, to pray for these guys. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope through which you've been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What's the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the, You see what he's saying? Man, guys, I want you to know your riches. I want you to know what you have in Christ. I want you to know all the goodness of the things of God. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is doing, okay? He is reminding believers of what they have in Jesus. So let's go through that real quick. Chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have, what do we have? What do we have? Confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You know what you have as a believer? If you are here today and you are washed in the blood of Jesus, you're connected to the life of Christ, you know what you have? You have an open door policy to the God of the universe, okay? Every resource, every power, everything you will ever need 
You have an open door policy. You have complete access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I grew up in, um, in western Kansas on a farm uh, miles from town. And, and so when I started going to school in town, in, eight, in seventh grade I had to go to school in town. So I started going to school in town started playing sports. And what would happen is I would go to school in town. I would, I would, I would play sports and stuff, but I would miss the bus. So I had, I had to have somewhere to go. My grandmother and my grandfather lived in town. Grandpa Tom, Grandma Mary, Okay. And so I had open access to them and to their home. When my grandpa died a few years back, and I went back a couple months after he died, it was a shock to me. I walked up the steps, and that door was locked. It was the first time I'd ever gone there, and it had been locked. My grandpa unlocked it early in the morning. He got up about 5, and he locked it late at night. Uh, and every time else, he was sitting in his chair reading Louis L'Amour books. And I knew when I walked in, I knew what I was going to find. I knew I'd be accepted. I knew I'd be welcome. I, I knew that I'd be fed, okay? Uh, I mean, I knew that. I mean, there was never time that I'd, I did not walk into my grandma and grandpa's house, and they were not happy to see me, and they did not offer me something, okay? All right? You know what, you know what verse 19 is saying? Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, on behalf of your sins, because of his righteousness placed in your account, you know what? Since we have confidence to enter the holy place, we, we can come into the presence of God. Verse 20, look at this. By the new and living way that is open for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. The picture there is of the holy of holies in the tabernacle, okay? So, so inside here was the presence of God. And there was a thick veil that, that stood between the, everybody else in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there. Everybody else couldn't go in the presence of God because you'd be consumed because of your sin. Okay, just the high priest, just once a year. Okay, but you remember what happened when Jesus died? There was a whole bunch of signs that happened. One of those signs was that thick veil was torn in two, top to bottom. You know what that's symbolic of? What was God saying? Through Jesus, through my son, you have access to God. And verse 20 gives it even richer imagery. And then it says, when Jesus' body was torn, when his flesh was torn, okay, he, we, we have access to God through his sacrifice, through the cross, we have access to the riches of God. And now as believers, we can each one come before God for everything we need. What, what a blessing. I've heard there's lots of money at Stock Exchange Bank. Jim? My understanding is most all of it belongs to Jim Treadaway. Okay? I don't have access to that now. If I go in there and say, hey, let me in the vault. Let me get some money. I'm able to get shot. Tased, beaten with club, something, okay? But let's just say that Jim and Deborah, they adopt me. 42 years old, I get adopted, okay? They adopt me as their own, and they put my name on their account. Now, now I've got access. And I'll tell you, you know what I'd be doing? Drawn near, okay? That, that's, what, that's what verse 10 says, or chapter 10 says. Look at this, okay? Since we have confidence in the holy place, new and living way through the curtain that's his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near, right? Man, when you realize what you got in Christ, you know what you want to do? You want to get close to him. When you realize, verse 21, you have a great high priest. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is our high priest. He sits at the right hand of God and, and, and he extends his life as payment for our sins and he extends his, his life as, of righteousness in our account and he intercedes for us. And now we can draw near. We can come close to God. We can, we can, we can receive his riches. We can focus our mind and trust him. Look at what we have in verse 23. 
He's still, this is all, he's telling us what we've got. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You know what we got as believers? We got hope. Now you see, some of you are here today and you feel hopeless. If you're a believer, you shouldn't. Okay, and I, I, I know that we get that way. But you, should, you know why you shouldn't? Because you have hope. You have, you have a confident expectation of good things to come. Why do you have that? Notice, notice, verse 23. He who promised is faithful. You got the promises of God. Man, they're all over in the scriptures. And in fact, 2 Peter 1 tells us that by these promises we grow. Verse 4. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Man, through the promises of God, we, we, we get hope. Why? Because we're encouraged at what God is going to do. God's going to be faithful. God's going to do something. God keeps his promises. Okay? What are his promises? Well, let's just, let's, just, let's just stir one another up with a few of them, shall we? Let's do that, all right? How about this? How about reminding each other that God won't let you down, okay? How about reminding each other that God will give wisdom when you come to him in faith? That's James 1. How about reminding each other that God will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in him? That's Psalm 37.4. How, how about this? God will, give you, uh, God will give you power and he'll be, his presence will be with you as you make disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28. How about this one? God will strengthen you and you don't need to fear because he'll be with you as you step out and obey him. That's Isaiah 41. How about this one? God will fill you up as you pour yourself out in service to other people. That's Philippians 2. How about this one? God will dump grace into your life as you humble yourself. That's James 4, 6. How about this? Uh, this is um, Romans 8. That, that if God is for us, then who could be against us? And we're more than conquerors through every adversity in this world. How about Psalm 84, 11? No good thing is he withheld from those who walk uprightly. How about Romans 8, 28? That God's working all things together for good to those who, lo- who love him and trust him. Man, those are all promises. And God's given them to us. And God is faithful. And we can trust him. And you know what those ought to do? Those ought to stir us up to love and good deeds. You know why? Because I'm thinking, man. Man, you just told me that I got access to God, that that I'm forgiven, that I'm accepted. You just told me that that God's going to take care of me, that God will be faithful to me. You just told me that if I seek him, that he'll be with me. Man, promises, hope, we have all of those things, okay? Your job as the church is every time we come together, every time we come together, you, you live, act, love, behave in such a way that stirs people up to love and good deeds. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. Because I've heard you say this, and I know you think this. What you're thinking is, well, this doesn't apply to me because everybody knows more than me. I hear people say that all the time. I can't do it because they know, they know more than me. I can't share my faith, they know more than me. I'm not any good to anybody because they know more than me. I'm afraid to speak out in my small group because they know more than me. Not the point. Not the point at all. Listen to Peter, Apostle Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, this is verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them, you already know them. Peter says, I'm going to remind you. I know you already know them, but I'm going to remind you. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Verse 13, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this body, cool imagery here, to stir you up by way of reminder. What's Peter saying? He said, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just reminding you of what you have in Christ. The gospel is really encouraging to me. 
I'll tell you what, any day of the week, I, I delight to hear someone say to me, man, pastor, you're forgiven in Christ. You know, now don't expect me to be like, I am? No way, no way, I didn't know that. But do expect me to be say, man, brother, that is right. That is so encouraging, isn't it? Man, makes me want to go live for Jesus. Okay? We stir each other up by reminding each other of what God has done for us. Now, here's the deal. This is your job. Not just my job. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up. Who is that? One another. Let me ask you, who would be one another? That would be you. You embrace that church? That's you. Let us consider... Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, now here's the deal. Verse 24 says, let us consider. Why are you going to have to consider? You know what the word consider means? It means think about, ponder, strategize, contemplate. Why are you going to have to do that? Well, honestly, because what you got to do is actually harder than what I do up here. Okay? You know, you know what I get to do up here? You all sit and listen. I mean, you just come, you blocked off time, you don't have anywhere to be, and you've come to listen to me. That's awesome. You're not going to get that in other places, okay? If you go to your small group and you want everybody to line up so you can preach to them, they're probably not going to like you, okay? Because that's, that's not what small groups are about. Small groups are about building relationships and pressing our lives together and encouraging one another and getting to know one another and everybody sharing and, and talking things out and praying for one another and, and weeping and caring. That's what small groups are about, okay? If you go to your job, don't expect the believers at your job to line up while you preach to them. That's not what's going to happen, okay? That's not life. And so you got to consider, okay? Consider implies this is not easy and it's not obvious and it applies that it's unique to every person in their situation, okay? So, so here's, the, here's what happens. When the church comes together, our lives overlap and you begin to see, okay, what does this person need? What, what does this person need? What is it, what's their situation? Where are they at spiritually? How can I help them? How can I affirm them? How can I love them? How, what, what, what do they need? The, the, the other place in Hebrews where this word consider is used is Hebrews 3.1. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who you share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. What's that verse saying? How's it using that word consider? It, it's saying you need to think about Jesus. Think about who he is. Think about what he did. Think about what he's done for you. Okay? In the same way, you need to consider one another. I need to think about where is Bonnie at in her spiritual life? How can I encourage Bonnie? How can I live toward Bonnie in a way that makes her want to love Jesus more? Bonnie's in different places Fred's at, and Fred's in different places David's at, and David's in different places that Lynn's at, and Lynn's in different places that, that Dino's at. And so, so, so I got to consider, okay? It's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a one-tool, okay? If you're a farmer, rancher, and you think pliers fixes it all, awesome for you. It doesn't in the spiritual life, okay? You got to have more than one tool. You, you, you got you to know people, okay? Here's where the view of the church that means I come in, I sit down, I listen, I leave, okay? Here's where this deal goes off the rails. Because in order to be the church, you got to know people. You got to know what's going on in people's lives, and then you got to consider, how can I act in a way that stirs that person up to love and good deeds? You know what some people need? Some people, just, some people need an example. They just need you to live life with them. You know what they need? They, they, need, they, need, to, they need to see you love your wife. That's what they need. Man, I'm so thankful for Dan Krebs. Dan Krebs showed me how to love my wife. He, you know how he did it? I, he just hung out with me. And, and, and I just watched him. Man, he was so tender with Angie. And he just loved her so well. 
I mean, I, I just, I learned that. I, I grew up in a house of guys that was brutal, okay? We were brutal to everybody. We were brutal to each other. I thought that's what you did in marriage, you know? And, yee, that didn't work, you know? And, man, I'm thankful for Dan Krebs. Man, I just need an example, okay? But I wouldn't have got that had we not played golf together every week, had we not been, been uh, uh, in, in the same college together. I mean, I learned that from watching. Some people need opportunity, some people, they, they want to serve. They want to kind of step out and, and figure out how to, how to live the Christian life. They need opportunity. They need you and team kids to say, hey, come be with me in my class. And by the way, see this little paragraph here? I want you to teach that. Just this little section here. Would you teach that on, on, on Wednesday night? And you come, you be with me. And we'll, we'll do that together. Some people need that. Some people need to be pulled in. Some people need to be trained. Some people need to be rebuked. You got to ask the question, am I the one to do it? Okay? Some people need encouragement. Some people need love and affirm. Man, I tell you what, there, man, I, gosh, I, I had a situation today. Some in our church, man, they are desperate just for someone to care. That's all they need. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to know any verses. You know what you need to be able to do? Hey, man, how are you? Is there anything I can do for your family? That's That's all. They, are, they literally, they told me verbally, they are crying out for someone just to care. That's what it means to be the church. But in order to do that, you've got to consider. Consider. you got to, what does that person need? Now, this thing really does not work. The church does not work in the drive-in. You know Why? Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. Now, you might say, well, we are meeting together. We, my car was beside their car. That's traffic. That's not meeting together. Okay? What is meeting together? It's conversation. It's praying for. It's caring, loving, giving, serving. That's, that's what meeting together is. And, and notice, the design of the church is that believers are pressed together and as they're pressed together, we, we are mutually encouraged. Remember our, 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 our small group, Romans 1, theme verse? We're mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay, this is, this is the whole First Peter 4, uh, 4.10 principle. We, we look at it a lot. As each has received a gift. You've received a gift. Guess what? Your gift is not for you. God gave you a gift. It's not for you. God gave you a gift to give to other people. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Okay, that's what you use it for. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards, you're a steward of God's grace. Okay? That means this doesn't happen unless you have regular conversations, unless you get to know what's going on in people's lives. The idea that attending a church service and that's all that church is is terribly anemic. It's a great start. It's a great start. If that's where you're at, great. I want you to move forward, though. I want, if you're a believer anyway, maybe you're just still checking us out. You're still trying to figure out if you're going to follow Christ. Awesome. Come. Hear the gospel. We'll pray for you. Listen. But to be the church means we're responsible for one another. We remember this from Hebrews 3, don't we? Remember Hebrews 3, 12? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. What's that mean? You got, you got to be careful. You got to take care. You got to give attention that others around you don't have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day. There it is. That's what it means to be the church. Exhort one another every day. I want you to notice here in Hebrews 10, 25, that the purpose of meeting together is not for what you get, it's for what you give. Do you see that? Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another but encouraging one another. Very simply, here it is. You have a job, okay? 
You see, this, this church is not a supermarket. You know why I go to the supermarket? To get what I need. Okay, that's, that's the only reason I go. Maybe you go for a different reason, but not once have I gone there and said, hey, you guys need shelf stocked or need any, let me take the truck to Oklahoma City today. Now, maybe you do that. You're, you, man, you're a great friend of the supermarket. I don't go there. You know why I go? I get what I need. I pay for it. I get out. Okay, that's why I go. That's not why you go to church. You, if you're a believer anyway. Now, again, if you're not a believer, different story. But if you're a believer, you know, you know why you go? You go because because you know what you want to do? You want to press together with God's people. You want to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And, and, and you're going because you have a job, you have a task, you have a mission. Now, that changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything. Those of you who own businesses, let me ask you, do you care, do you care if someone does their job, do you care how they do it? Like, do you care the attitude they do it? Do you care uh, whether they smile or not? Do you care their, their tone of voice? Do you care how they sit? Do you guys care? Like, like, is this the same? Let's, let's say you own a business, you got somebody at your front desk. Do you care whether they do this number? Okay, so here's some options, all right? They do this, they're at the front desk, someone comes through the door. What do you want? Is that okay? Or is this okay? Sir, how can I help you today? Which, which you, you guys probably don't care, do you? Is it one or the other? Either way. Either way works fine. Okay, if you got a mission... Everything you do ought to be aimed at encouraging love and good deeds. Correct? Correct? I want to go this far. Some of you are going to balk at this, but I'm going to go this far. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that the way you sit in small groups, the way you sit in Sunday school, and to some degree the way you sit in worship service, Make some kind of difference. Can, can I stretch it that far? Okay. Let, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Uh, Chase, you want to come up here and stand right in front of me, please? Chase, all I'm going to ask you to do is just stand right there. And I just want you to tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, kind of what God's doing in your life, okay? Just real loud. Go ahead. Just tell me your name. Okay, did that matter, how I sat? It, it should, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Actually, you're the first one. I'm proud of you kept going. All the others were like, you know, <laughs> thank you, you can sit down. This is why youth pastors only are where they are at for usually for three years. Andrew's a real big exception. You know why? Because youth are terrible at that. Like it's, it's like, it's like talking to zombies, man, you know? I, I don't, I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but I, I am saying that what you do as a church matters. How you greet people matters. How, how, you, how you converse, how you shake hands, that stuff matters. Here's what I picture, okay? Here's, what I, here's, here's my picture of the church, okay? I, I picture people who, who think hard about what they're going to say and how they're going to model and how they're going to serve their kids because they're... they're their intention is, I want to stir up a love for Jesus in my little ones. Okay? 
I picture people who when they get out of their truck in the parking lot, they put on their church radar, okay? They put on their radar and they begin to look for who might need encouraged, who might need built up, who might need strength, who looks like they just got run over by a truck. Man, I, I want to go to that person and, and I want to just, in whatever way I can, try to encourage them that Jesus is good, that he's given us good things, that God is great, that God is faithful, that what he's promised, he won't let us down. I, I want to do that in the welcome. I want to have my radar on. I want to be intentionally looking. I picture people who Sunday afternoon, man, Sunday afternoon, they would take 10 short minutes and, and, and in a little pad of paper, they would write down, you know, man, I, this might be a great point to bring up in small group if I get the opportunity, you know, and, and, and this, this might be a personal testimony that I could share that would encourage others in their faith. And, and you know what? Here's a person that I, I just want to write their name down because I really want to try to connect with them tonight. I, I really want to try to encourage them. I feel like they're, they're not quite pulled in, and so I want to do my best to bring them in. Man, that's being the church. You know, I, I picture a people who as they fill their plates in small group, as they're going through the line, scooping on the, the beans, they're silently praying, God, show me where to sit in there. Show me where to sit. Show me who to sit. Show me how to strike up a conversation. God, give me something to talk about. God, I'm not very good at that. And so, Lord, help me. You know, they're, they're intentional. I picture people who, who when they're at Dan, Pastor Daniel's reception on Friday night, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, I'm at church, okay? I'm looking around. The church is everywhere around me. And, and I want to be intentional in striking up a conversation and encouraging and affirming and, and, and helping people to love Jesus more. I picture people who strategically on the weekends, they, 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 they intend on, who am I going to share a meal with this week? Is there somebody I could share a meal with and, and I could just have a spiritual checkup and, and try to encourage them with God's truth, share something I've read. You know, you know what I'm picturing there? I'm picturing the church. That's what it means to be the church. Now, I, I got something disappointing to tell you. We are not always going to do this well. I'm, uh, man, that doesn't mean we don't try. Don't you dare use that as an excuse. Okay, but I just know, here's the reality. I know at Daniel's reception, the first half of it, I didn't do this well. I kind of had to catch myself. I, I have felt terrible for two months. My allergies are, it's the point I'm, I thought seriously this morning about taking a knife and just going and removing my eyes. I think I could have preached without them. And, uh, but I just didn't tear them out of my head. And uh, anyway, I, I had a headache. I, and I was, we got kind of sit back in the corner and, um, I just, just kind of wanted to check out. I just, I had a headache. But halfway through that, I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? Man, I love these people. I need to go affirm somebody. I need to go encourage somebody. I need to go pull somebody into a conversation. Because we're the church. Sometimes we do that good. Sometimes we don't do it great. Okay? I tell you that for a couple reasons. Number one, whenever you fail, do it better next time. I went to a birthday party last night. Uh, one of our church members I think I did. I think I did a good job then, man. I'm, I'm a radar on from the time I got out of the car. I was like, man, who could I encourage? I blew it last night. I'm gonna do better tonight. But I tell you that also because I just want you to know sometimes, just be patient with your church family. Let them know. Sometimes you, sometimes people's radars are broke, and sometimes they're just, they got so much dust on them that they don't work well. And so sometimes you gotta take the step to say, guys. Man, I'm discouraged in my faith. Would you just say that to somebody? And hopefully they'll respond. If they don't respond, hopefully they'll tell somebody else who will respond. 
Last thing, I want to encourage you against a bad habit, okay? Bad habits. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Would, would you believe that, that not meeting together is habit forming? Anybody experience that? Go through a season in your life, you don't have people over, you just, for whatever reason, you just get in the habit of not. You get in the habit of not reaching out, you get in the habit of not, not attending things, you get in the habit of not. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, look guys, this, this, this can be a habit. And, and not meeting together, man, it, I don't know how you do any of this. How, how do you encourage faith somebody when you don't see them, don't converse with them, don't know what's going on in their life? How do we be the church? I don't know how you do that in the drive-through church. I know how you listen to a sermon. I know how you sing. I know, I know, I know all that. I, I get that. I get it. But I don't know how you be the church unless you meet together. Don't withhold the ministry of the Holy Spirit through you to other people. I know it's hard. I know it's tensional. I know, I know it takes work. I know it's trying. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know probably better than you, actually. But here's what I also know. And when we follow God, there's blessing. There's great blessing involved in that. And I want my faith to be built up. I want to be encouraged. By the way, we got some retired folks in this service, so this is kind of cool for you here. Notice this. Man, these pages. Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Everything in American culture says what? You slow down. The longer, the longer time goes by, you slow down more. The Bible says, man, as judgment day gets closer, as the day of accountability gets closer, man, we ramp it up in connection. And you know what? Retired people are pretty good at that, actually. There's, there's a lot of folks that live life together. Man, I, I can't wait to be together. I love our joy groups because, man, they, they love to be there. They love to connect. And I hope they're there to encourage the faith of others. Not just the food. Food's good too. But Guys, let's be the church. Let's do it. Okay? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. Then we're going to be the church. Okay? Father, help us as we uh, lift our heads from... From prayer, God, we thank you just for what we're doing right now, just this access we have to you that, God, we can come to you and you can give us everything we need. Uh, Lord, you pour your riches out in our life. You give us power. You give us strength. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, I, I just pray that as we, as we close this prayer, God, that we would begin to, to focus our attention on stirring each other up toward love and good deeds. Father, help us to do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.